Thank you for taking the time to listen to the sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this, you are challenged by the Word of God, you are built up in love, and that you are drawn more to the person and work of Jesus Christ. We want to remind you, this is never meant to substitute God's good plan for you to be present in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you do live in the North Toronto area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to join us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings. Our desire is that God would use this to encourage you with the hope we have in Jesus. Today we are talking about prayer, and you can see that the title of the message is Pray for One Another. This is something that is commanded in Scripture, that we pray for one another. James 5 says that. It says, pray for one another. That is a command. We're told to do this, to pray, to go to God. Prayer is an act of love. When we choose to pray for a person in our church, a person in our life, we are loving them. It's an act of love to bring them before God. Something that helps us in our prayer life, though, is remembering who God is. Every time Jesus teaches about prayer, he's always trying to say, remember who God is. This is who he is. Don't forget who your father is. In Luke 11, he tells us that Jesus is, or God is not like the friend at midnight who will not help you. In Luke 18, he says, God is not like the the unjust judge who you have to plead with and beg for him to do something. You have to annoy him to get him to move. And in Matthew 6, he says that God is our father. He's always saying, remember who you're talking to. See, remembering the character of God motivates us to ask for his help for ourselves and for each other. Remembering the character of God, who God is, who my Father is, motivates us to go to him for help. In this message, what I want to do, here's my goal. I want to highlight the character of God. Usually, prayer messages, you know, you go to a prayer passage and you make people feel all guilty that they don't pray. I'm not trying to do any of that. That's not my goal. I don't, it's the spirit that convicts. It's not my job to make you feel guilty. My job is to show you the beauty of God. My job is to highlight the character of God because when you see the character of God, who he is, that will motivate us, I believe, to pray and ask for his help. Pray for each other. As a kid, I never had a problem asking my mother for anything. Never. There was never a time, can I have $5? Right now, $5 wouldn't mean much except for a Starbucks, but back in the day, it meant more than that. Can you come to my game? Can I take the car? I never hesitated to ask my mom for anything because I knew the kind of mother that she is, generous, good to us as kids, always on our side. And when we remember who God is, see, Psalm 145 is given to us by God because he wants us to know this is who I am. He wants us to know who he is so that we can go to him for ourselves and for each other. Psalm 145 is written by David, 
And it's a, it's a song of praise. David wants us to praise God. And he shows us that God is worthy of praise. Look at verse 1. He says, I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. He's like, I'm going to do this for my whole life. He says, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. David tells us God is king. And then he says, God is worthy of all praise. God is great. And one of the reasons why God is great is the way he cares for us. Look at verse 14. It says, the Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. God helps his people. He helps his people. That word falling, that's our first point. God helps his people. The word falling is is pointing to human weakness. There's things in life that trip us up. There's things in life that overwhelm us. We don't, we're not as strong often as we think. And without the help of God, we would never be able to get up. Without God's help, we would simply stay there. But he helps us. The word bow down is talking about people who are discouraged. People who are beaten down by the trials of Life In the letter of James, it says that we will meet trials of various kinds. The word various there is, is it could be translated multifaceted. That means we, we go through lots of things in life. There's spiritual attack. There's loneliness. There's hard pregnancies. There's depression. There's illness. There's betrayal. There's job loss. Trials come out of nowhere. They kind of like kick you in the, in the stomach and just knock the air out of you. Zadie Smith, one of my favorite writers, she said, everywhere you look, the world is pain. The life of the individual is a constant struggle. And this verse agrees It's a hard life. We struggle. There's a battle going on here. But I want you to see that this verse also gives us hope. Yes, life is hard. Yes, there's trials. Yes, there's... We're in a trial right now, aren't we? Yes, there's struggles. But the verse is full of hope. You don't believe me? Look at it. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down down. God gives strength. God sustains us. God helps us. He doesn't leave us to ourselves. And sometimes he does that by simply bringing a verse to mind. You ever had that? It's a real tough moment. It's a real tough day. And all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just kind of rolls something on you. And you're like, I needed that. Sometimes God does it by by a song we sing. When we're reminded that it it is well with our soul, when when we're reminded that we can take everything to God in prayer, it, it lifts us up. Sometimes he does it by simply moving us to help each other. And you realize you're not alone in the struggle. You realize that somebody's there. God is doing all of that. He wants us to know that we are not alone. God raises us up in our trials. And he promises to raise us up on the last day. You want a good reason to pray for Jesus to come back? There's one. That on the last day, that it's only going to be a, it's just going to, it's going to be a party. It's going to be a jam. It's going to be good. We're going to be raised up. 
on the last day. He's going to make everything right. The pain is going to stop. The, the, the trial is going to be over. See, we've got a God who is willing to help. A God who is willing to help us. And this should motivate us to go to him in prayer for ourselves and for each other as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. God is with us, it says. Verse 15 says, The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. Here comes number two. God provides for his people. God provides for his people. Like a mother bird feeding her children in the nest. I, this summer, like, is summer over yet? I don't, it's just, it's cold. So as soon as it, as soon as it goes below 15, that's winter for me. But we had this uh, reef at the front of our house. And this summer, a bird made a nest in it. And I wanted to tear it down. But Kim has a kind heart. And so she's like, no, Marv. But I remember coming out and just watching this mother bird, because I didn't really understand how it works. She's like, Marv, if you, if you tear it down, those, they're the chicks. Is that what they're called? Right, James? You're the smart guy. She's like, they're going to die. So, we, you know, leave it up. And so one day I'm, I'm, I'm coming outside just to stand outside because we really couldn't go anywhere. But, and this mother bird was working so hard. Out of the nest, back in, out of the nest, back in, out of the nest, back in, feeding and feeding and working, providing. That is the way God operates with us. He provides for us, gives us all that we need. God is generous. Watch this, verse 16. You open your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. God's hand is not shut. It's open. He is generous, and he does it for everyone, believer, unbeliever, animals, everyone. He provides for us. Listen to Terry Johnson. He says, God's goodness can also be seen in his providential care of all that he has created. God not only constructed the world, he also manages it. So God doesn't get things started and then back off. He's managing it. The infinite, eternal, and almighty God cares and provides for everything from the grass to the beast that feed upon it, from fallen humanity to redeemed humanity. There's nothing so small or insignificant as to be outside of the range of God's goodness. Do you get up every day and start with, God is good? The church I grew up in, the people would have said all the time. Do you get up with that? That God is good. Even with a mask, we can do it. He is good to us all the time. God provides for our physical needs, and God also provides for our spiritual needs. Here comes another one, John. We all know this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, 
but in order that the world might be saved through him. His generosity, his goodness, his willingness to provide means that he sends us his son, what we need. We needed rescue. And so God sent his son to save us. Jesus meets our greatest needs. Do you know that? He meets our greatest needs. He meets our need for salvation. He meets our need for the deliverance from the power of sin. I, so much I try to say when I'm talking to our church that sin has no power over you. Do you know that? That, amen in the corner. That the Holy Spirit lives in us. That's why I'm always like, we can. Don't you know how, notice how much I say that? We can do this. We can do that. It's commanded because we can do it. If you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The Spirit is in us. We can live a victorious life. Sin has no power over us, all because of Jesus. Does not mean we won't, we won't do it sometimes. But the believer will not go an unending, unbroken pattern of sin. That won't happen to the person who's truly in Christ. It has no power. And so the Spirit, when we walk by the Spirit, he shows us the way of escape. And we say, no, because we can't. Deliverance from the power of sin. Restored relationship with our Father. The whole, this whole series, Relate, is designed in and around that to show us we've been restored to God and we've been restored to one another. That we can love one another and live in a way that brings glory to God. To make the, the, the world see that there's something different about us. We've been restored to God and restored to each other. And we have hope. All because of Jesus Christ. And I want to say to the non-Christian, with all due respect, you don't have any of this. And that's not said to be harsh. That's not said to be disrespectful. That's said to be loving, to tell you that you still have all of these needs. But if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, if you believe the gospel, all of these needs can be met by him. The text, this is the way the text speaks to the unbeliever. Salvation is available. God has provided his son. And if you trust in him, believe the gospel, believe that Jesus lived and died in our place. Confess that you truly have sinned against God and repent of that sin. Your life will be changed. You will be saved. Hope will come to you. The God we serve is a God who is a provider. The God we serve is a giving God. God will never say, you want help again? Do you know that? That will never happen. He's never going to look at you and say, you've come again in prayer? You've come to ask for help from Marv again? He's never going to say that. He loves when we come. He's a giving God. We serve a God who is kind. Look at verse 8. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all. And his mercy is over all that he has made. Look at verse 17. The Lord is righteous in all his ways. And what? Kind in all his works. This is our God. All that he does for us, everything he does flows from his character. This is who he is. And he tells us 
to come. We can trust God. He is loyal. We can always depend on God. Verse 18 says, The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He he fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. God hears his people. God helps his people. God provides for his people. And God hears his people. He hears us. He hears when we come. In verse 1, David says, God is king. Now, in verse 18, he says, our king is near. And in verse 19, he says, our king saves. God is ready to give. God is ready to help. And God is ready to rescue. That's what the Bible says. This is who he is. And he does this to all who call on him, verse 18 says. Those who fear him, verse 19 says. All who love him, verse 20 says. God does not discriminate. There's no partiality. Everyone who turns to him truly, he helps. The words call, fear, and love tells us that God hears and answers the prayers of the people who believe in him, who respect him, and who obey him. That's what's going on there. That is the people that God hears. God is attentive. He's never checked out. You know what God's not like? He's never like that parent at the park pushing their child while scrolling on the phone. He just doesn't do that. He's dialed in all the time, attentive all the time, never sleeping, watching over you. When you're knocked out, he's caring for you, always on alert. John Anuchekwa said, the same God who prepares our hearts to pray inclines his ear to us. This is one of the great incentives to pray. You have someone who truly, fully listens. Think about that. When we go to our knees, or whatever posture you're in, he truly, fully listens, paying attention, not halfway. He's totally involved, invested. No amount of infirmity or blemish could make him him avoid us. That says his, it should say him, avoid us. That's my mistake. I just copy and paste it and send it to Shay. So that's all me. Our father has his ear inclined to us. And he's eager to hear from us. Even now when we pray our father, we remind ourselves, this is really good, of his closeness. Remember what the text said? He's near. When we say our father, we remind ourselves He is right here, right now, with me, ready to help. Of his closeness, his wisdom. When we pray, we're saying, God, you know better than me. When we say, when we pray, we're saying, God, you are wise. When we pray, we're saying, God, I need your help. Your wisdom is perfect. You make no mistakes. That's why I'm coming to you. That's why I'm not trusting in myself. That's why I'm trusting you right now in this moment of prayer. I'm acknowledging that you're king. I'm acknowledging that you're wise. I'm acknowledging that I need you. I'm humbling myself. That's what's going on. 
I don't have the wisdom, you have it. So you need to give it to me. Of his patience. We talked about that last week. That God is patient. At all times, that he's patient. And of his, there it is, care. Of his care. That God is involved, that he is invested, that he's going to look after me. In our moments of weakness, in our moments of struggle, in our moments of distress, we can remember that our Father is close, attentive, listening, and ready to help. When it says, when David says that God is near, it's another way of saying he answers. He's not just near and just like, yeah, I'm close. He's answers, answers us when we go to him in prayer for ourselves and for each other. We're declaring that we believe this about him, all these things. That's what prayer is. It's an active declaration of trust. When we cry to him, like the text says, do you see that? All, he's near to all who call on him, all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him and also hears their cry and saves them. That word cry, again, reminds us of how hard it, life is sometimes. That truly, when we go to God in prayer, it feels like we're crying. Because we're like, I want this thing to be over. I want this thing to stop. I need your help, God. All who cry to him. He will hear us and he will answer. This is important. In his wise and perfect way and in his wise and perfect timing. We've got to remember that in prayer. God will answer in his wise way and in his wise timing. That is the right theological way to think about prayer. God knows better than me. And so I might ask for something and he might give me something else because he knows better. And he will always answer in his wise and perfect way. H.B. Charles says, prayer is our Christian duty. It is an expression of our submission to God and dependence upon him. For that matter, prayer is arguably the most objective measurement of our dependence upon God. The things you pray about are the things you trust God to handle. When you don't pray... When we don't pray, when I don't pray, and that happens a decent amount, what I'm saying is, I can handle it. And that's pride, more than likely unwise. But when we pray, we're saying, you take it. You know better. And so I want to end the sermon in a very practical way. I want to give us some ways to pray for one another. Remember, I said I want to I highlight the character of God. I want to show us who God is. All to motivate us to pray. To pray for one another. And so here are some things that we should pray for. That there would be continued growth in love and unity in our church. That God would protect us from sin and Satan. Sin is real. Sin destroys lives. Sin harms people. Satan is real. Peter, first Peter says that he, he's like a, a roaring lion. He's prowling, seeking someone to devour. We have a real spiritual enemy and we should pray to God. 
for protection from that enemy for one another. That we would continue to grow in spiritual maturity. We want to grow in spiritual maturity. It says that when we are mature in Christ, that we are able to discern between good and evil. There's lots of evil going on in our, in our time. And we need discernment. Spiritual maturity helps with that. That we'd be committed to spreading the gospel and respectfully sharing our faith. We want to, we want to tell the world about Jesus Christ, but we don't want to be rude in doing it. The gospel offends, not us. So we want to be respectful. We want to pray that God would help and heal those who are sick. There are sick people in our church. Talking to somebody just this week that are, they're sick, they're ill, and they're wondering, am I going to get over this? We are to pray. Maybe just asking each other even, like, how are you doing? How is your health? When we're talking to one another, finding out, and then praying that we would be prepared to respond well to persecution and that we would endure the suffering that and the trials that will come. I was talking to Jermaine this week about the sermon and he, and he just looked at me and said, Mark, we need to pray that our faith would not fail, that we would endure to the end, that the saints would truly persevere, that we would work to make the relationships in our church strong and that God would heal the relationships that are broken. As a church, we are committed to loving one another deeply, but that takes work. That takes effort. That takes a willingness to be inconvenienced, a willingness to invite people in that it's just a, maybe a little bit uncomfortable because you don't know each other that well. But the relationships are only going to get better, and relationships in our church are going to break because, again, sin is real. And so we need to pray that the relationships would be healed. We should pray that we would love and care for our family and friends. Paul says the person who does not look after their family is worse than an unbeliever. So we should love and care for those who are family. That we would represent God and the gospel well in the places that we work. Think about that. We are a witness whether that's on a screen right now, in your room by yourself, whatever it is, working hard, representing God well, honoring Him. And that we would be people who humbly depend on God. Pray that we would be a church that actually practices humility. Dependence on God means time in the Word. God, I need to hear from you. If you don't speak, I'm in trouble. And so I'm opening the word and I'm listening. And dependence is prayer. Asking for God's help. Declaring that he is the one who's all powerful. He is the one who sees it all. He is the one who can carry us through. Prayer is an expression of love. If you and me want to love people in our church, pray for them. Pray and ask God to work powerfully in their lives. And as we pray, we should remember we have a Father who's willing to help. We have a Father who is generous, who will provide, who will answer. Remembering the character of God motivates us to ask God for his help. James 5, 16 says we are to pray for one another. 
commanded. It's an act of love. It's an act of humility. So let's be committed to doing it. That is a way we love one another in our church. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord God, that you are always attentive. That your ears, Lord God, are open to our cry. God, we thank you that there's never a moment that we come to you and you're annoyed or frustrated that we're coming. You delight in your children coming to you. Thank you, Lord God, for the gift of prayer. Thank you, Lord God, that your son, Jesus Christ, gave us access to you. We can go to the throne of grace all the time. God, would you stir in our hearts to do that, to do that for one another, to lift one another up to you, saying, help, help my brother, help my sister in Christ. God, care for them. In our prayer, Lord God, would we, would we cast it all on you, saying, we are trusting you to handle our lives. Father, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that you hear us. We thank you, Lord God, that you have given us this word. Move in our hearts, I pray, O oh God, to walk in it, to obey by the power of your spirit that lives in us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit HopeTorontoNorth.com.